Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. Today on Squanderlust, why the letter C will help you make decisions more easily. And why it's a good idea to make your life more like a set menu. As a quick reminder, this is the second part of a two-part series on too much choice. We're talking about how more choice does not necessarily mean better decisions or more happiness. Although some choice is essential for freedom, for your sense of agency and enjoyment and is a good thing, when you get too much choice, it becomes overwhelming and there are all sorts of consequences on that. Hmm. Alex, do you want to run through what some of those consequences are? Yeah, familiar to me. (laughs) Procrastination and missed opportunities, so you put things off put the decision off, miss out on stuff because of it. Because, uh, yeah, choosing is difficult. uses a lot of brain power, feels a bit overwhelming when there's loads of things that you have to rattle through to decide what you're going to do. And you worry about getting it wrong and that you're going to regret the choice that you do make if you actually do manage to get to something. There's actually um, less satisfaction in your choices if you have too many choices to make, too much choice available, because you are more likely to regret after choosing and you're going to think more about all the things that you didn't choose to do. There's also a false assumption that in uh, if there are so many choices, there must be one perfect one. But in fact, you might not even be offered any perfect ones at all. They might all be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just because there's lots of them doesn't improve the quality. In fact, you know, we do say quality, not quantity. And one of the sort of underlying issues of this that isn't doesn't always kind of come to mind because it's not so much in our court is that the sellers who offer these choices are actually moving the responsibility to us as the buyers, which is particularly important for us to think about in financial, big financial decisions. Maybe not so much when you're choosing your jam, which we were doing in the last episode. <laughs> but um, but if you're choosing a pension, offering you lots and lots of choices might look really great and like you're taking control of your own finances but actually it's very overwhelming difficult to differentiate and it pushes the risk really onto the buyer rather than the seller of the product exactly exactly now it does seem like this idea is sort of filtering gradually into society since the the research that was done on this a lot of the research that was done on this done in the early noughts and 
it does seem like gradually there's kind of a move away from vast, endless choices and towards people beginning to say, actually, I want my choices more streamlined. I don't want to have to make Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of choices Mm -hmm. every day about absolutely everything. So the growth of kind of minimalism as a cultural trend Mm -hmm. and decluttering as a cultural trend, I think, is very much about saying no, too much choice is overwhelming and exhausting and Mm. makes us less happy. And actually, Mm. we want to have a a simpler life Mm. with regards to to all of this stuff. Mm. So today's episode is about actually how do we make better choices in a world, though, that is still overwhelming and and huge. Mm. And especially with the internet providing us with ever, ever greater, ever broader choices? How do we select from within this vast array of possible options that we have? Mm. And the first suggestion, we're we're going back to the research of Sheena Iyengar, we talked about last time, she's a psychologist who specialises in overwhelming choice. (laughs) (laughs) Researching it, not necessarily presenting it it to humans, or presenting it to humans in a research environment. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) She just loves an overwhelming choice. She does, she does. She talks about four C's of choices and how we can use these four uh, words, beginning with the letter C, to help us remember the ways we can make better choices when there's a a huge, overwhelming array available to us. And the first one is just cut. Cut down the number of choices as fast as you can. So just think about what can you just rule out straight away? Is there a way you can make a list of your possible options and just draw a line through as many of those options as possible, as Mm. quickly as possible, so you can get rid of them? Mm. And I was thinking about this in in finance terms, or we were thinking about this in in finance terms, and I was thinking about how I just really object to any product that has an exit fee on it. Mm. If I've signed up for your ISA or your whatever product it might be, if I can get away with not having an exit fee to swap out of that product and get something new if a better option comes uh, comes available to me, I will take that choice. Mm. I would much prefer not to have to pay you to leave your product. Mm. So things that have an exit fee will usually just be cut straight out of my possible options for Mm. me. Mm. Personal preference. Mm. Um, I suppose a really obvious cutoff is budget. Yeah. And, you know, although it seems stupid, you can actually spend quite a lot of time looking at things that you know you can't afford. Mm. And it does feed into that, I haven't made the best choice feeling if you start looking at things that are more than... So, yeah, just, like, (laughs) make your top end, hack everything else out from your list of options that doesn't fit within it. Don't torment yourself with things that are actually outside of your reach Mm. is, I think, a really important point with this, definitely. Mm. I mean, cutting down options is why I am a big fan of a set menu. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, make your life a set menu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. I use a meal planning app Mm. and that helps me with you know, reducing a certain amount of choice every week Mm. because to some extent we're limited to the recipes I've already entered into the app Mm. because I cannot be bothered to add too many more recipes every week Mm. to what we're going to be cooking. So I'm always limited by the fact that I can only ever be bothered to make four different things and I just eat them on rotation. So I just buy (laughs) the same stuff in the supermarket every week. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's all, it's fair. Cut it down. It's fair. Cut it down. Leaving it down. that choice space in my brain for another part of my life. Exactly. And and if you're, I mean, on the flip side of this, we're talking about this from a consumer perspective. But if you're self-employed, if you have a side hustle selling things, and you have to create a suite of products and services, bearing in mind that actually. Giving people fewer options will sometimes result in more sales or usually result in more sales. There's mm. a sweet spot in the number of options you give people, mm. which is some choice but not too much. Mm. And if you do that, then people are actually more likely to buy. Mm. So if you, are, if you are out there, making it easy for people to choose by not offering them too much choice mm. is a really good thing to do. Mm. If you want to be sneaky and make people feel like they have more choice without actually making them have to choose too much, you can say, well, we've got these three to six default options, but you can customize if you get in touch by email, mm. whatever your preferred communication form is. And that gives people the feeling as if they've got more choice without actually forcing it on them, which mm. I think people will like often. The second idea is categories. So this is related to the first one, but it's sorting your possible choices into groups and then deciding the category first and then narrowing down within that category. And again, we've got some research, which I liked, um, from Sheena Iyengar. She said, if you go into a newsagent and they've got 600 magazines in 10 categories... And you go into a competing news agents, they've got 400 magazines in 20 categories. You will prefer the 400 magazines in 20 categories over the 600 magazines in 10 categories. And you'll actually feel like if there are 20 categories, you feel like you've had more choice. Mm. Even though there were fewer total magazines mm. that you could have chosen from. So I guess you'll have a greater sense of what's actually there. Makes yeah. you think you know, everything. Yeah, exactly. So more categories, but with fewer options in them is much more appealing to people. It's much easier to deal with because you can, again, write off huge swathes as not my category mm-hmm. as opposed to... This, this is, I mean, this my Netflix problem, which I banged on about in the first <laughs> half of this um, Choices series. Yeah, they removed categories from Netflix. Mm. They just have genre now and you can't really drill down that way. There are like websites where you can click in. Right. They give you the list of categories and stuff, but right. that's why it takes me even longer now. Oh. It's like a genre of British. I mean, Ugh. that's not a genre. That's a nationality. <sighs> yeah. It usually just involves Colin Firth, but um. yeah. <laughs> There's a limit to the amount of Colin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, want. yeah. So that's not for every day. <laughs> that does make the Netflix choice harder. It's not having categories. Yeah, but you can impose your own categories on things. You can. So I was thinking about if you were, if you were buying your jam. Yeah. You could think about what packaging it came in because of you know sustainability and recyclability. Mm-hmm. You might want glass rather than plastic because it's more recyclable. Yeah. That's one way of doing it. But there's also bigger things. Yes. Like you were talking about types of mortgage. Yeah. To me earlier. Yeah, so you might decide whether you want to have a mortgage that's linked to a savings account or a mortgage that's completely separate, a mortgage that's whether you want a fixed rate or whether you want a variable rate, whether you want something that tracks the Bank of England base rate, for example. 
those decisions are all categories. And once you've decided which category you want, it's much easier then to narrow down into providers. Mm. Whereas if you're just looking at the whole array and you're looking at both providers and categories and you're trying to compare and the things you're comparing are not necessarily like with like, it's much, much harder to make that decision. Whereas once you're in a category, you're comparing like with like, which is much easier. So I think that's a why this works so well. And then there's just motivating yourself to make a choice when you don't want to. Because frankly, like we just said, it's it's tough. And for this one, uh, Sheena says, she, she uses a term which is concretization. Mm. And what that means is trying to make your choice as real to you as possible, trying to get a kind of visceral feeling about what the options will mean rather than keeping them in the abstract and trying to think about them in very checkboxy kind of a way. And I like this. And, and an example of that, a personal example of that, at some point, my husband and I will probably move house. That's a really complicated decision, right? Where do we go? What size of place do we want? What size of place can we afford? Do we want outdoor space? What are the local amenities that are important to us? How much can we stand to travel to get to work? All of these things. Kind of in the abstract, they're quite confusing. But when we start wandering around some neighborhoods and actually looking at some properties, we'll get a feeling for the reality of the situation. And it might be wise for us to actually do some of that way ahead of any time when we're actually thinking of practically moving, mm. just so that we have a more concrete sense of what we want and can make those decisions faster when it comes to the point of mm. practically needing to make a decision. Yeah, concretization. That's a strange word. It's kind of a do your research thing, isn't it? Like yeah. actual gather actual information that you can use rather than wouldn't it be nice or, you know, trying to make the images a little more defined so that you can then sort of cut things out and yeah. put them into categories. Yeah, and it's not just doing kind of factual research. It is also about, like, finding what your gut feeling is about mm. a thing, connecting emotionally with the choice, mm. not just trying to be very separate from it mm. and so-called rational about it. And obviously there is a place for thinking rationally and making calculations and so on. I never say there isn't. Mm. But actually to drive yourself and motivate yourself to make a choice when things are complicated, giving yourself a very real sense of how you will feel about those choices should they occur is a, is a, a much stronger motivating factor. Mm. So you can think about things like journaling about what you would do with some savings, if you had more savings, if you'd actually made this decision and signed up for the savings account, what will you actually do? And writing in detail about what you will do with those savings. Or there's a classic pensions idea, which is just to imagine yourself at retirement age. What kind of older person will you be? <laughs> Assuming you're not there already. I don't know the age of our listeners. We, I gather we have a fairly broad age range in our listenership, but... But, you know, the, the classic is imagine yourself at retirement. What life do you want to have? Where would you like to live? What would you like to do? What food do you want to eat? Do you want to travel? You know, if your health declines, what do you want to be able to do about that? Thinking through those in, in a, really, a really real sense gives you a much stronger 
impetus to make those decisions and actually push through the discomfort of having to make choices around this complex area of finance. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that far out. You can do that. You know, <laughs> I'm still working on it myself. Go back mm. to episode one of this series where we talk about <laughs> effects on our own lives, the lives yeah. of talking to you about these problems. You know, just planning your next year. So by the end of next year, what things do I want to have and have done and be able to do? You know, even just planning how you divvy up what you earn every month, not necessarily even, you know, it's making that picture much clearer. Yeah. To help you actually decide where to put your money and then stick with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we have talked before about using cash instead of cards and the way that makes spending more concrete and more real. Mm -hmm. And it's been shown to reduce spending by up to 30% when you're actually physically handing the money over. And I certainly know that I think twice about handing over a wadge of notes as opposed to just tapping or putting your pin in or whatever. It's definitely a lot more of a challenge. We've talked again, it's just these are some useful reminders, keeping that picture of your savings goal to hand to remind you of the opportunity cost of overspending. So if I spend on this, this snack while I'm out here, that is money that is not going to get me to my savings goal. And then the other one, which I think is, is a bit of a flip on that, is you can concretize the opportunity cost of taking too long to choose. So this is your Netflix thing that you were mm. talking about earlier. Oh. Yeah. So you can think, actually remind yourself, this is a trivial decision and I'm wasting my life choosing instead of doing and then getting along with enjoying my good enough choice. I remember my dad with my grandma, his mum, in a supermarket where they were supposed to be having a day out and they popped into the supermarket. I think they were picking up tea bags or something I can't remember and she spent a quarter of an hour trying to decide between two things of tea bags where it was a 10p difference between and in the end he just said we're getting the more expensive ones and we're going right now mm. because our time is worth more than this mm. 10p difference mm. on tea bags mm. I do have to remind myself of that quite often actually yeah because I will just dally over stuff like that when really I don't need to yeah I, I, and I, that's why I hate, I hate all the other choices I have to make. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if I have a motto for this podcast, it's get okay with being making good enough choices. Good enough choices are exactly that. They're good enough. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the last one of the four C's of choosing. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome back. Our last C of making choices easier is conditioning. And this involves thinking about the order in which you make your choices. So this is where you've got a series of choices to make of varying complexity. And you need to decide which choice you're going to make first. So there's a meta choice going on here. You're choosing about choosing. Let me give you an example to demonstrate what I mean, because it sounds a little bit weird until you hear an example. So again, going back to Sheena Iyengar, she talks about an experiment involving customers buying a fully customizable new car. Now, if you are buying one of these, it's um, I think it was a German automaker who offered this. There were 60 decisions to make in the customization process. There were some options where you had loads of different possible options. Exterior color. You could have your car in 56 different possible color, spray colors. And then some, there were much fewer options. So there were only four different possible gear sticks. Okay. Um, so even the fact there are four, it's like they're all just the same. Apparently not. <laughs> Who knew? Exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> so what they did was to guide people through the, the customization process in one of two different ways. They either started with the choices where there were lots and lots of options, like exterior color, and then gradually proceed to simpler choices later on. Or you could have start the customization process with the simple choices where there are very few options, like four gear sticks, and then gradually get more complex. Mm. And what they found was where people started with the complicated choices and got simpler, they quit early. They got worn out from choosing and gave up on this customization process. Whereas where people started off with fewer options and gradually got more complex, it was as if they got more confident in their ability to choose and became conditioned in the same way that you get physical conditioning by exercising. It's like your choosing muscles get stronger and you get conditioned to be able to make choices better and you build up so you don't get so fatigued and can deal with the more complexity later on. And people stuck with it with that. So their advice with this is if you've got a whole array of different choices that you're going to have to make at a similar time, if you're doing some revision of some aspect of your life, that means you're going to have to make lots of choices 
together. Start with the simple ones and just knock those out Mm. as quickly as possible because that will help you to build up and keep the momentum going to do the difficult ones. Yeah, because we were talking about, say, if you were doing a big review of your finances, so you're looking at lots of different things, you know you need to sort stuff out. You should kind of think about this approach for yes. that rather than thinking, oh my God, I haven't got a pension, I haven't got a savings account and maybe I'm not with the best bank and maybe my mortgage is in the wrong place and all these kinds of things. That mm-hmm. um, First of all, you just sit down and, and look at which is... What what are all your decisions that you do need to make without even trying to make any of them yet? And yes. think which is the simplest one and then scale through them as I can knock out the simpler ones and leave the scariest ones till the end. Exactly that. So it's the opposite of the advice that you get sometimes to do the hardest task first. If people have heard that that colourful phrase, eat the live frog first thing. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, <laughs> in case any of you haven't, it's it's the idea that um, if you've got a really nasty job to do, like eating a live frog, gross, don't know why you'd have to, but mm. hey, you should do that first because everything else seems better afterwards. And then it's done. It's not hanging over you. So, mm. But this is actually saying that with complex choices, you actually should leave those to the end and mm. deal with the, the the simple, easy things first of all. So I like that. I think that's that's good practical information mm-hmm. that we can actually use. Um, and our, our financial example would say you were doing that big financial review, something like choosing what kind of instant access savings account you want to keep your emergency savings in. That's a, usually a pretty simple choice. So do that first and then save, like we said, pensions or whatever those difficult choices are, save those towards the end, build up to that one. Some other things that just came to us in the planning of this podcast. Can you create rules of thumb for your choices to streamline your options? So wherever possible, can you just uh, create a a handy guide for yourself? I never do this. I always do that. Handy way to streamline your choices. Example for me, I never buy women's magazines. Nope. No, not ever. (laughs) Uh, With the single exception, I will sometimes buy a Vogue catwalk special. (laughs) Okay? But that's the only time I ever buy a women's magazine. And then I never have to think about women's magazines. They're just not a factor of my life. No, I don't even take them in the hairdressers. I don't need to feel that bad about myself. (laughs) (laughs) And then get okay with the fact that some choices do take time to make and assigning that time accordingly. Stepping away from the kind of must-have-it-now culture. But also stepping away from the kind of expectation that we have of ourselves, that choosing must be easy, choosing should be easy, Mm. and actually being realistic about the fact that, yeah, sometimes choosing is hard work and actually we need to set time aside for it and manage our own expectations for it and treat it as as work on some level rather than kind of, oh, you know, I should do something about that. Oh, it's hard. Well, it shouldn't be hard. And, and treating the fact that it's hard as a failure in yourself. When you can, buy good and buy once. I mean, there's nothing like buying something quality and then knowing you've got it and then you don't have to choose that mm. thing again mm. for a really long time. And this is like interplay with budgeting as well because if you've decided how much you're actually going to spend on something, then you can buy the best quality that you can afford and then, yeah, you don't have to decide again for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yep, prioritising quality and durability is a great way of removing the need to make more unnecessary choices later. 
And then there's something that ties in with all our stuff about perfectionism and all or nothing thinking, which is getting okay with making choices and then just moving on and not overthinking them again. Mm. Getting okay with it. Yeah. Don't look back. There's sometimes a tendency, particularly if you've spent a while looking for an item on the internet or something, and then you finally buy it. And there's always that temptation to go and look it up again in case you could have got it cheaper. Mm -hmm. Just walk away. Walk away. (laughs) Done Um, it. Move on. Similarly, letting go of making bad choices. Mm. And again, moving on, choosing again. Okay, it happened. It was not a good choice. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Also applies to boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) Or girlfriends. Yes, or any any significant other slash bad shoes. (laughs) Move on. (laughs) Choose again. Let them go. Yeah, so I think get, I think getting rid of that perfectionism actually really helps to make better decisions. I quite like thinking about the difference between the choices you can make with a kind of Marie Kondo spark joy method, like choosing food on a menu you talked about earlier. <laughs> food just sparks joy in me full stop. That's the trouble. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's the answer to that? Set menu. <laughs> I quite like just going with what was the first thing that caught my eye yeah, on the menu that's always the best way it is yeah. and it's essentially a spark joy method right mm. it's this is the food that I'm drawn to first of all I'm just not going to look at anything else that's it versus the ones that you are wise to make with a process which most financial choices you're wise to make with a process yeah <laughs> finance sparking joy <laughs> doesn't quite equate does it I don't want to be a big downer on the finance industry but <laughs> well also I personally am actually a little bit skeptical of if a financial product sparks joy <laughs> I tend to think they've got some kind of shady marketing mind yeah. tricks going on your monkey brains responding and that shouldn't be making financial decisions exactly yeah so purchasing decisions of goods that you will use physical goods that you will use spark joy often a good method financial choices yeah less joy more clear thinking um, don't try making too many choices at once. I have to say, do your research. Learning about financial products and, and financial concepts is pretty painful. But once you understand the basic ideas behind them, they do tend to be variations on a theme. So even when you're just faced with something completely new, you will grasp it more quickly. And that will pay off in less pain later, I think, in regard to some of these decisions. If every time you have to make a choice, you also have to look up a whole new concept and piece of Mm. jargon it makes the process so much more drawn out and so much more painful so do take some time to actually just learn some ideas from finance first and then you can apply them and that makes the decision process much easier and also take advice earlier rather than later punishing yourself by trying to make decisions Mm. (laughs) without without turning to somebody who can who can help you with those but it's a lot of the advice will involve the cut and the categories exactly you know? so yeah. that that helps with those two stages of it exactly that and the concretization is your own idea that you're taking there with you and maybe they'll help you talk that through but that will definitely help with cut and category uh, yeah, a good advisor will also help with concretization definitely mm-hmm. yeah in fact actually that would be a one of the things you should look for in an advisor mm-hmm. is that they take some real time on the concretization steps that's very very important okay so that's all of our kind of our own advice that we layer over it. But just to run through Sheena Iyengar's recommendations, as I said, this is our psychologist expert on overloaded choices. Number one is cut down. Number two, create categories. Number three, 
concretize, make it real and emotional for yourself. And number four, condition for a complexity. Start with your simple choices and build up so you don't get tired. Hopefully, we haven't made you tired with all of these different <laughs> options. Overwhelmed by the overwhelming choices. Yeah. Now I'm going to make a suggestion. There are an overwhelming number of podcasts in the world out yeah. there. You can help a friend <laughs> <laughs> to not be overwhelmed with that set of choices and instead to pick up a particularly brilliant one about the emotional side of finance. Go on, do everyone a favour. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, Tom Berry and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.